You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Eagles are at the podium, and we have it covered here for you, thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist, and today we are going to have a press conference from Jim Schwartz as he met with the media last week. But first, there is some bigger news to deal with. Doug Peterson has tested positive for COVID-19. Here's what we know, and credit to Tim McManus, who had the story first. Peterson, who is 52, had two positive tests. He alerted the players in an unscheduled meeting, which from what I'm reading was virtual, thankfully. I haven't seen confirmation on that, but Tom Pellicero kind of alluded to that in a tweet, and I would definitely hope that is the case. Uh, McManus also said it's believed that this was contracted outside of the building, and this is the official statement from the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll just read this to you. Quote, we received confirmation this evening that head coach Doug Peterson tested positive for COVID-19. Peterson is asymptomatic and is doing well. He is currently in self-quarantine and in communication with the team's medical staff. The organization is following the protocols established by the NFL and NFLPA. Any individuals in close contact with Peterson at our facility have been notified and will continue with daily testing procedures and compliance with all protocols before returning to the facility End quote. So at least for this is what we know, at least one other staff member was sent home due to close exposure with Peterson. They're also doing contract tracing to ensure that anybody that could have had exposure to Peterson doesn't spread it further. They'll continue that daily testing, as they said in their statement there. Peterson is going to lead the team virtually. Still, he is asymptomatic, so he's going to be at home leading some meetings and whatnot. But an in-house assistant head coach, Deuce Daly, will take care of those in-house responsibilities as the assistant head coach taking on those head coach responsibilities. And the Eagles are lucky in this regard, honestly. Like with guys like Deuce, who have a ton of experience, Jeff Stoutland, you know, the run game coordinator, Press Taylor. Guys that know the offense inside and out that can lead the players through this in-house while Doug recovers and also chimes in virtually as well. So hopefully Doug can get past this quickly without any short or long-term health effects and he can start stacking negative tests so that he can get back to work in his full capacity. And that may be trickier than it seems as positives have been known to come back for weeks after the fact as the virus lingers. My wife has experience with this working on the front lines as some of her co-workers have had issues getting back to work due to that factor. Now on the positive side, it's actually possible for Doug Peterson to be back fairly quickly. This is a tweet from Jeff McClain. He says, quote, Doug Peterson could return to the Eagles as early as Friday if he passes certain protocols set in place by the NFL. Even if he needs 10 days since his first positive test, he could theoretically be on the field for the first practice in helmet slash shells on August 12th. So that is an important note there. And unfortunately, right now in the NFL, this is just the reality, not only in the NFL, in the, in the, in the rest of the world too. 
But this is the reality that we're living in right now. And the main thing is ensuring that they control the spread and that Doug can get back to full health. And we here at BGN wish Doug a speedy recovery. And the same for the three players on the Eagles COVID list, Lane Johnson being the one positive that we know of. Jordan Mailata and Nate Gary were also placed on the reserve slash COVID list, possibly due to coming into close contact with somebody with COVID. We don't know the exact specifics on that. Of course, we'll be updating you on any new developments on this feed and on BleedingGreenNation.com. So make sure you're locked into those. And we're going to go ahead and get to the presser with Jim Schwartz as he met with the media on July 31st. We'll be pushing out these press conferences throughout the week. So we're going to get to that one with Schwartz right now. I know Doug was talking about it and Coach Stoutlin was talking about certain players who've had, you know, really good off seasons. But I want to ask just about how much you can actually gauge with players when you have, haven't had the hands-on access. And, um, you know, what have you been able to tell about some of these guys that, that, uh, that you're dealing with? I guess particularly Jalen Mills, who's doing a position switch. Yeah, you know, I think Jalen's in a little different position because um, he's not learning a new defense. Um, he's learning a new position within the defense. And you guys know the way we handled our secondary over the years. Our guys cross-trained all the time. They played inside. They played outside. Um, with the way we played our corners, a lot of times they played safety responsibilities within it. Um, so for, for a guy like Jalen, I'll just start off right there. Um, his learning curve is nowhere near as steep as a new player or a rookie, um, going through. And obviously we had the one benefit of this year is we had a lot more meeting time with the players. Uh, didn't get a chance to be on the field with them, as you said, but we had a lot more meeting time with them. So, um, you know, we, we were able to look at a lot more film from last year, from the year before, from the year before that. Um, you know, and I think you can get a good feel for, um, guys, whether it's a Jalen Mills change in position or Parks coming in as a veteran or Slay coming in as a veteran that's just learning a new set of terminology or even rookies that are learning everything new, new scheme, new, um, you know, new room, new building, new team, new techniques, all those different things. And I think the other thing is with, um, you know, the way we, particularly Ted Rath was able to set everything up. Um, you know, guys could still prove that they were hard workers. Guys could, you, you didn't actually put your hands on them, but the hard workers still showed through on all the video workouts and, uh, and things like that. So, you know, it was different than what we've done in the past or what anyone's done in the past. Um, you know, and, and maybe there were some things that, uh, questions that were left unanswered, but there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of good with it, and there was a lot of things that uh, that you could glean from it. Go ahead, Jimmy, and then Martin Frank. Hey, Jim, uh, Darius Slay has sort of prided himself on following the best receiver on the opposing offense, no matter of size, speed, skill set, inside, outside, whatever. Do you plan on allowing him to do that? And how do you balance allowing a star corner to do that while also not tipping your hand, like scheme wise? man versus zone, for example, to the quarterback? Yeah, you know, um, over the last couple of years, we've taken a lot of strides to try to um, avoid the tells on our defense, whether it was man or zone. Uh, really started right after, like the week after the Super Bowl when we started meeting um, in two, two, before the 2018 season. Um, we saw where people were going with man routes and pick routes and things like that and said, okay, we're, we're tired of complaining Um 
to the officials that we got picked or that was offensive pass interference. So we need to mitigate it ourselves. We need to, to, to combat it in, in different ways. And one of the ways we did that is we, we didn't, you know, always have corners go over and we tried to, you know, let guys play inside, outside. It, it helped us that we had safeties like Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod, both which were corners in the past. That flexibility went a long way to, um, to going. So, um, you know, there is that. But when you when you uh, acquire a player like Slay, um, who has that skill set and um, can match a receiver, um, you know it does it adds a different layer to it. So now you guys that play nickel um, are going to need to be able to play outside corner also because every time Slay lines up at the nickel position, um, it's just too easy to tell if the only time he's in there is man to man. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a hundred percent, um, all the time thing. Maybe it's a particular game. Maybe it's 50% of the games. Maybe it's 75% of the games that Slay is matching a particular receiver, but you will see that from our defense. And in order to do that, it's not just on Slay to know inside and outside, which we have a very good comfort level with and feel like he can do that. But now it's going to put all of your corners, your safeties, and your nickels just a little bit more into they have to be a little bit more multidimensional. If Slay lines up at the nickel, the nickel needs to be able to line up at the outside corner, and you need to be able to play man and zone and blitz from that same look. Um, you know, so it's something we'll get ready for in training camp, um, you know, and, and we'll probably just, you know, let him pick a guy in the huddle because we really won't know who the offense will have out there. But pick a guy, we'll, we'll practice it. And then, um, you know, it'll just be a game plan decision on a weekly basis. Um, you know, number one, if it's a who, and then number two, if it's, um, you know, if we're, if we're going to match that week. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll sort of play it from there. We're really excited about having him. Um, you know, I, I, I had Steph Gilmore early in his career in Buffalo and, um, you know, Steph matched everybody last year with, uh, the Patriots and was all pro player and fantastic. He wasn't ready for that early in his career when I was with him in Buffalo. Um, but, you know, Slay is a guy that is sort of at the same point has done a lot of that in the past and it won't be anything new for him and, uh, really excited to have him. Um, you know, and I think it's going to add a different dimension to our uh, secondary. Thanks. Go ahead, Martin, and then John McMullen. Hey, Jim. Uh, I was wondering what led to the decision to move Jalen Mills to safety, and and who does that leave to start at the opposite side? You know, from from Darius Slay at at corner. Well, that's what uh, you know. The abbreviated training camp that we'll have will decide. Um, you know, there, there'll be there'll be open competition in there. Um, we'll have a lot of different guys. We One of the reasons or one of the things that um, has happened to us over the last years, we've had a lot of different guys play because of injuries in the secondary. And, you know, that's tough during the season. But what this has done is it given us a lot of different options, guys that have played a lot of different football. So there's one. But, um, you know, I think with Jalen, um, you know, we've seen things from him that match the safety position. Um, he's tough. He'll tackle. Um, you know, he has range. He has instincts. We like his his vision at that position. 
And we've seen players in the past sort of transition that same way, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a Malcolm Jenkins who we had experience with. Uh, I think you see it across the uh, across the league. Um, you know, Matthew has done it as sort of transition from a corner nickel to now being a nickel safety. Um, and again, a lot of those things Jalen has done in the past, he's done it. He's played the technique when he's been a corner. But he's done those kind of things, um, and he is an experienced player, a little bit like Slay. He does have a, a base to um, you know work from. So um, you know, I, I think he he checked a lot of boxes for us when it came to making that transition. Number one, what he's done in the past, and then number two, what his skill set is for us right now. We're really excited about it. I think Jalen's a good leader for us. He's tough. He brings an edge to our defense. And I think you might even see that a little bit more when he's inside right there at the safety position as opposed to being all the way out on the perimeter. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead, John, and then Zach Berman. Hey, Jim. Uh... You mentioned trying to uh, avoid as many tells as possible, uh, and you mentioned a little bit about Malcolm Jenkins, how many positions he's played for you on the back end of the, in the past. Also, Nigel Bradham, uh, you've had uh, a lot of time with him. When you lose veteran players like that, does that make it a little bit more difficult to avoid those tells? Um, no, I mean, I think our standard stays the same. Um, you know, the, we – obviously those guys had done it for an awful, you know, for an awful long time and we had a comfort level, but you know, we've had other players that, you know, did the same thing. Jordan Hicks did the same thing. We did when Nigel was injured last year, we did a lot of those same things with, uh, with Nate Gary, um, you know, Corey Graham a couple of years ago played a lot of those different positions for us. Um, we'll have plenty of candidates to go in and play. Um, and it'll put, It'll put a little bit more on a couple people's table that, than they've done in the past, but we're confident that um, the guys we have will be ready to, um, you know, to, to play multiple different positions within our defense. That's always been a very important thing for us. It's not something that we only did because we had a Malcolm or a Nigel. We did it, and they just happened to be really good at it. We'll find uh, we'll find other guys that can accomplish that same thing for us. Hey, Jack and Paul Domowicz. Hey, Jim, and bringing in Hargrave, you have three high-profile defensive tackles who I imagine you want to get them all on the field. Is that a true rotation, and is there a way to, to play all three together as, as well? Yeah, you know, um, Malik has played um, some defensive end in the past. He's been a 3-4 defensive end. Um, he's a really skilled pass rusher. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that from him last year because he got injured in the first game. But he's got great use of hands. He's a really smart player, and he's got great length. He's you know he's he's tall and he's long and things like that. Um, in in our past, in my past, we have had guys that have played defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, Malik can do some of those same things for us. Um, 
you know, you, you know, the way we feel here, it's, it's probably been throughout my career, but you know, Howie is, is, is had the same sort of philosophy of you never have enough defensive linemen. And um, there's, it's one of the positions that you do truly rotate players through. It's hard to play that position all the time. People don't understand how taxing it is to lean against 300 pounders and not just one, but two of them and run to the ball and to play with the kind of effort and the kind of tempo we expect, we're going to have to rotate guys through. It's just the way, uh, it's just the way we're built. And to have more good players is a really good position for us. But I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll, well, we don't want to, like say we're definitely doing it right now, but we're going to look at different ways to have three defensive tackles on the field at certain times. Um, you know, we've done it with three defensive ends in the past. Um, go back in my history, there were times in Detroit that uh, we played with three defensive tackles on the field at the same time. Just gives you more flexibility, um, gives you more um you know, insurance in case of injury if you have guys that can flip different positions. And particularly a guy like Malik, sort of what we said with Slay and Son Mills and some of these other guys, he's an experienced player. He's done all those different things. So it won't be a big leap for a guy like that to do those things. Go ahead, Paul, and then Ruben Frank. Jim, getting back to uh, Slay, uh, besides the fact that you can match him up against anybody, he gives you a proven ball hawk. Uh, this is a defense that finished 22nd in interceptions, 19th in, in total takeaways last season. What kind of impact do you hope he will have on that aspect of your your your, your unit this this year? Well, if um, if they're not throwing at him, he's probably not going to make very many um, um, interceptions. Um, one of the best years I've ever had from a corner can't remember exactly what year it was. It might have been 2003, but um, Samari Roll was my corner in Tennessee. And um, I don't think he had an interception until the Week 17 game. And one of the reasons was he covered so well that quarterbacks never challenged him, never threw his way. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of ways to judge the effectiveness of a, of a corner. And interceptions isn't always, um, you know, isn't always the – the the number one thing um you know he can he can do his job by you know preventing a quarterback from throwing the ball or making the quarterback throw bad passes that are incomplete um there's or allowing you to shore up other parts of your defense because he can he can play a guy um you know making tackles you know i mean allowing a completion on third and seven for four yards and, and making that strong tackle and the, and the punt team comes on the field, you know, and a lot of metrics, people might not think that was a good play allowed a completion, but, you know, punt team was coming on the field and, uh, you know, and that's, that's sort of our objective there. Um, you know, like I, I said, you guys have heard this um, from me a bunch of times on defense. We judge ourselves just by a few things. Number one is, uh, is points allowed on defense, and, you know, you say, what's what's our job? Our job is to keep the scoring down, is to give our offense a chance. And then number two is um, get the ball back for our offense. And, um, you know, we did take a little bit of a step back there. But, you know, over the course of four years, we've been a pretty good takeaway team. And, um, you know, he's an important part of, of doing that. It ties in with, you know, guys like Hargrave, guys like Malik, guys like Fletch, guys like, you know, um, Brandon Graham and 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 Derek, um, all of it ties together in creating turnovers. We've got time for a couple more. So Rube, Les, and then Bo. 
three of your corners, Nikel Roby Coleman, Cravon, and Avante, um, at least to the untrained eye, seem like they're they're um, more suited to the slot. Uh, can you just talk about those three guys and their potential to play outside and if they'll be in the mix? Obviously, we've seen Avante do it um, at times. Uh, how are they as outside corners? Yeah, Avante's done about everything in our defense. Um, he's played outside corner, he's played safety, and he's played nickel. And he's had success at all three of those spots, um, you know. So, um, you know, again, we like that flexibility of guys that can go inside and outside. I think, um, you know, he's he's got he's got some of that background. It helps him play all those different positions by doing that. Um, Cray has been sort of an inside player for the most part for us, but he's played outside corner. Go back to that Giants game when when we had almost nobody left in the secondary, he went out and played it and, and played it fine. Um, you know, if those guys are playing nickel along with Roby, um, they're going to have to be able to play outside because there are going to be times where we're going to match slay and they're going to have to be able to, uh, to do both of those things. I think all three of those guys have, um, have had success at some point of their career doing that. It's just a matter of just, um, you know, keeping it fresh, brushing up on it. And uh, it'll be nothing new to any of those three guys. Go ahead, Les. Hey, Jim, uh, your linebacking group is pretty inexperienced. Uh, do you feel a need to add something there before you really play? If you had to play with this group, uh, would you be excited about that? Uh, we're excited about our whole roster right now. Um, and, you know, I, I think that as far as household names, maybe there's not a lot of that at that position. But we've had guys that have put a lot of time on the grass and in the meeting rooms in our in our um, program, and it's time for us to see those guys play. Whether it's a you know um, T.J. Edwards or a, um, you know Nate Gary's already played a lot of defense for us, um, a draft pick. We have a couple draft picks this year, or even a guy like Duke Riley that we traded for last year. All those um, all those guys are in the mix. All those guys. Um, you know, we're excited about. I think that um, one thing I am really excited about in the linebacker position, um, adding a guy like Jatavius, adding Davion Taylor, and adding Sean Bradley, um, we have some real speed at that position. Um, you know, Duke is fast. All, all our guys, you know, have different skill sets, but we've made a real strong point to add speed, and I think we're probably a faster group than we've been in um, in any of the four years previous. So I'm excited about that, and uh, it's going to be a great competition in training camp. Um, you know, great opportunities for those guys. We'll come up with the best uh, matchup. We have some young veterans. We have some rookies. Um, you know, I think that, uh, again, it's not a lot of household names there, but we're confident in their ability, and we're really excited about the speed that uh, that group possesses now. Go ahead, Bo, and then we'll get Press Taylor up next. Hey, Jim, um, just some, some changes to your uh, defensive staff. I wonder if you could explain uh, moving Coach Burke to the defensive line, especially knowing that he was, I guess, more of a linebacker guy in the past and, and what went into that decision. Well, he's also been a coordinator and um, so obviously he knows all those different positions. Um, I've been with Matt on and off since 2004. I think it was 2004, um, he was with me in Tennessee, became linebacker coach in Detroit, then broke off and was linebacker coach at Cincinnati and defense coordinator down in uh, down in Miami, and then came back to us last year and spent an awful lot of time with our defensive line. Good coach is a good coach. 
And, um, you know, the things that made him a good linebacker coach will also make him a good defensive line coach. Relationships with the players, work ethic, intelligence, um, passion for the game. You know, I think that you'll see all those things come through with Matt. And um, I'm really excited about, you know, about him at that position. G and